The following is a sponsored program on WBT. All right, how do we get ready for the turkey call, the turkey season? We have NFL preseason, NBA preseasons. We have uh, even college football has spring training. We're going to talk a bit, a little bit about the preseason of turkey season, Wes. What do you think about that? Man, spring gobbler season is one of the most exciting times to be out in the woods. Who can beat it? You can't. It's way better than that little basketball thing. Was it March Madness? Is that what it is? <laughs> spring gobbler is so much fun, even if you aren't a turkey hunter. Well, and a lot of turkey hunters are listening to the Carolina Outdoors. Welcome, everyone. Wes Lawson is the voice on the right-hand side of your radio dial. I'm Bill Barty over here on the left side. And you'll hear old-timers talk about scouting. What do you need to scout for when turkey season comes in? You go set up your your, your blind, you, you do whatever you need to do, and you go hunting. Put your decoys out, that sort of thing. We're going to find out if that's the right approach or if maybe having a little bit of a preseason turkey season, preseason to turkey season, is important to the quality of hunt. The reason we're talking about it, if you're just joining us here on the Carolina Outdoors, is because South Carolina's turkey season is coming up quickly. April 1st is going to kick us off, and of course North Carolina uh, follows quickly behind with its April 11th turkey season. So, hey, when is the time to prepare? It's right now. Wes, you got South Carolina right there, don't you? I got North Carolina, so I got two different dates for you, boss man. One is youth only, April 3rd through 9th, and then for uh, adults, it's going to be 10th through May 8th, so April 10th through May 8th. All right, and and South Carolina is April 1st to May 5th, so hey, now is the time. Um, what is it? We can talk about that later on. Right now, we're going to jump in and bring on James Bice. He is a successful and accomplished outdoorsman and author in the outdoor scene. He's a hunter. He's a fisherman. Has been all over the world doing both. We're going to utilize his expertise as the Carolinas and the Southeast prepare for the wild turkey. James, welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. First off, I'm going to jump in and and ask you um, a little bit about scouting and, in your opinion, is it important during the preseason um, for turkeys? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, if, I, I think scouting is it's is very important, uh, especially if it's an area that you have not been before or not familiar with. Uh, a lot of people overlook scouting. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty big on scouting. I can't do it all the time. I'll hunt you know anywhere between six and twelve states every season. So sometimes you can't. You can't necessarily do the preseason scouting. You kind of have to hunt scout. But uh, you, you always need to be looking for, for habitat. And there's several different ways to scout from, you know, Internet research to uh, Google Maps to boots on the ground, actual in the woods looking for turkeys, looking for turkey sign. And there, there's several key things that you need to look for uh, when you're scouting that kind of at least kind of gets you in an area where there might be turkeys, might be turkeys traveling through if you're not able to put boots on the ground before you hunt. Well, it's amazing. These seasons are built around the habits of of turkey. Really, their nesting habits and breeding habits and that sort of thing. So, James, what habitat should we be looking for? If we're unfamiliar, we're we're going to 
public lands, wildlife managed lands, or maybe we have joined a new club, what should we look for during a scout? The, the biggest thing to look for is going to be habitat diversity. Uh, turkeys, they, they tend to thrive in areas where you have a diverse habitat. By diverse habitat, I mean you need, you know, you need nesting cover, you, you need feeding cover, you need roosting. And it, to find that, you know, if you can find a, a, like an old clear cut or an area that's going to be conducive to nesting, uh, large hardwoods, you know, preferably white oaks, uh, some type of a nut crop that the turkeys can feed in. Uh, open fields to an extent where they can go bugging and eat some eat some grass, and and then you you know the travel corridors between those places. Uh, the the nesting habitat really plays uh, really comes into account later in the season when the hens are on the nest and the gobblers are working those fringes. But as as long as you can find an area that that has you know food, water, uh, and escape, you're you're already in the game. James, you just said go bugging, which might become the new phrase of 2021. So. One of the, you mentioned you know nut crops and things like that, but also it's really important we can't under we can't overestimate really the importance of insects in a turkey's diet. Correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look into to a turkey's crawl any time during the spring season, uh, you know you'll find a, a good number of bugs in there. Uh, pretty much anywhere you go in the country, uh, from inchworms to you know larger insects, grasshoppers especially in fields, and they like to get in those fields before the dew gets off. Uh, because the grasshoppers can't fly as well, and they know they're, they're kind of easy pickings because they'll just sit there. Now, James, there are a, you know a, a handful of different species of turkey in the U.S., so we're not even going to talk about the oscillated down there in, in the Yucatan. Mm-hmm. So far, what are your thoughts on which is the, the most challenging of those species to try and track down and hunt successfully? You know, each one has their own... Uh, I guess problems that arise when you're trying to hunt them. Uh, I think the, in terms of just calling in uh, the the Rios and the Miriams are probably the easiest. They your problem with them is they use particular travel corridors, and you kind of have to figure out where those travel corridors are and set up along them. Uh, I think for me that the, the Osceola gives me fits simply because they, they they seem to gobble less than an Eastern, and just the terrain that they're in, and they're in such a finite territory that it's. Uh, it makes it a little more difficult, but day in, day out, I think a hard-hunted eastern gobbler on public land is probably the hardest turkey to kill. When if you're just joining, you don't know this, maybe, that the Osceola really is only found in parts of Florida. It is one of the smaller of the, the species or herds of turkeys, if, if you wanted to call it that, about 100,000 or so in the wild down there in Florida. And that eastern is what we typically think of when we think of a wild turkey, not the drink but the animal. That's the eastern you can think about the drink too or the turkey either way but hey talk about that gobbling because um if we're out there scouting do we need to take our calls out and and see if someone will answer back or does that desensitize the flock i I don't think it necessarily desensitizes the turkey but i would definitely encourage people to leave their calls at home when they're when they're scouting because what you're doing is educating the turkey uh you know a turkey will they just did uh, some great research, a guy, uh, Dr. Chamberlain, and they did some radio telemetry on some turkeys, and they, they, they had turkeys on some private land or some land you could not hunt, and then turkeys on heavily hunted public land. And on into the season, the turkeys on heavily hunted public land, after they've heard the calls and been spooked or, you know, associated the calling with human interaction, 
uh, went silent, whereas the turkeys on the adjacent private property gobble just like they normally would throughout the season. So calling definitely has an effect on turkeys as well as hunter pressure. It's always seemed like, you know, when you're hunting turkeys that it, you're, you're sort of playing chess and checkers at once and you never quite know which piece to move because those, those turkeys are a lot smarter than we think most birds should be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, tell us about that. Tell us about the intelligence of, of the turkey. Uh, and also talk to us about their other, other physical traits, namely their eyesight, because as we are preparing for the season, um, we do, and we've had people at Jesse Brown's coming in for comfortable footwear so they can walk out, put up their blinds, stuff like that, um, getting ready. But what about masking our appearance, being in the blind, using mesh to cover our glasses, uh, being aware of constant movement, mainly because those turkey can see um, so well? Sure, yeah. I mean, the turkey's got great eyesight. Uh, they have impeccable hearing. And, uh, yeah, they, they luckily no sense of smell or they'd be very difficult to kill, but or a very low sense of smell, I should say. But the... Uh, you know, the, the eyesight is the number one thing. And, you know, camouflage pattern means way less than movement. That uh, They can pick out movement way easier than they can tell if you're wearing real tree mossy oak or, or whatever. The uh, the number one thing to do is just, you know, stay still, don't move. Uh, their, their eyes will pick you up and a lot farther out than you think they can. Because when a turkey's growing up, there's every, everything in the woods is trying to kill a turkey. And they, I don't necessarily think they're, they're overly intelligent. They're just very paranoid at all times and during the spring gobbler season they they tend to lower that a little bit due to you know the urge to breed but they're they're still very wary and i'll tell you you, you'll get busted by more hens than gobblers 90 percent of the time because they're that are running with the gobbler because the gobbler is focusing on the hens but the hens are looking for anything out of the ordinary and when you look at it the average gobbler is going to be three to four years old you know or two to four years old, I should say, for an adult gobbler. Uh, the hens are going to be typically older than the gobbler, those old boss hens, and they're going to be on high alert at all times because they didn't get that old by being dumb. Well, I think it's important to note, too, that uh, what you're talking about leads into this is spring gobbler season, which does not mean it's spring shoot every turkey you see season. We're talking about getting the males, not the the hens the and the jakes and things like that, right? Let's talk about that for a minute. Sure, yeah. I mean, the, the fastest way to identify gobblers, you know, head color, red, white, blue, just like the American flag. Um, you know, they're going to have a beard. I, I don't personally shoot jakes. I mean, when, where they're legal, uh, I've, I, you know, it's a more personal preference. I mean, if somebody wants to shoot a jake and it's legal, I'm, I'm not going to condemn them for doing it. But it does it does help the, the flock health overall, I think, to, to allow there to be an older age class of birds running around. But the uh, the number one thing is you know look for that beard, look for the right color of the head, and don't don't shoot at movement. That's how hunting accidents happen. We're going to jump in. If you're just joining us, I'm Bill Barty. He's Wes Lawson. Our guest, James Bice from Bison Associates. He is a worldwide hunter and fisher who oftentimes joins us here on the Carolina Outdoors to uh, spread his wisdom. And right now we are in preparation for the South Carolina wild turkey season starting up April 1st. Um, private landowners get all the way until May 10th to the, do that. A statewide limit for South Carolina is three gobblers for South Carolina residents and two turkeys for non-residents, no more than one a day. Bearded hens are not legal. All hunters in South Carolina, including hunters, 
younger than 16 years of age or those who are calling or guiding must possess a valid set of turkey tags except on designated youth days. James, with those rules out there, and we're talking about South Carolina first because North Carolina uh, follows a couple of weeks behind that. Um, you talked to us about looking at habitat, being aware of habitat, being aware of their diet and what they're eating. What about their traffic patterns in regards to, you know, we teasingly open up the segment talking about outdoor drive time during turkey season because we are on the airways of WBT Radio early on Saturday mornings um, when our non-podcast friends are listening. And that's early, before the sun comes up. 5 a.m. to 6 is when we're on, and that's when people are traveling to their to their blinds to set up to get ready for those birds to come off of the nest. We know that, early morning turkey hunts. But what about sitting and scouting in the evenings? Is that something that's important or should be important to us as turkey hunters? I think, I think any time in the woods you need to be scouting. Uh, you know, whether you're hunting or just going out, you know, they, I, uh, some people roost turkeys the night before I, I typically have an idea of where the turkeys are going to be in an area. Uh, if I have the opportunity to go roost them and the bird wants to gobble from the roost at night, great. It kind of gives you an idea of where they're at. The problem with hunting public land is you might have a bird roosted and then you show up the next morning and there's four cars parked at the road where that turkey's roosted. And it's, it's, it's very good to have a plan A through F. Or more, if you're especially if you're hunting public land, or sometimes the birds move and maybe they won't gobble. But I think if you're if you're hunting and you're in the woods, and any time that you can scout, morning, noon, afternoon, whenever it is, is is very it, it can all be very valuable because it's helping you put pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah, being in the woods is always a good thing. Hey, I'm glad you said that because that fits the mantra for us over at Jesse Brown's as well. James, before we even get out there, before opening day is here for our turkey hunters, will you give us some advice on what weapon to take out there as far as, uh, I guess we're all going to have a 12-gauge shotgun, although a good shot like you may use a 20-gauge. What kind of shot is the best for us to buy and have on hand, and what choke should we be using for just a, a general everyday turkey hunter? You know, it's uh, with the advent of some new shot uh, TSS tungsten super shot. You can you, the sub gauges, uh, you know, below twelve are becoming very popular because you're you're using a, a shot that has uh, a greater density than lead, so it's smaller, it penetrates deeper. I still shoot a twelve, and I'll shoot TSS in the twelve as more of insurance, not extended range. But a, a, a choke, typically a full choke, maybe something a little tighter. But what you want is a consistent patterning gun that shoots point of aim. Uh, from you know 20 yards, 10 yards out to 40 yards. I don't like to shoot them past 40 because you've got a lot of stuff going on, moving target, and everybody wants to try to make a clean kill versus wounding a bird. But uh, you know, a good in, in lead, you know, anything four to six uh, shot, or with a TSS uh, seven to nine is what a lot of people are using, and me included. And just pattern your gun, get comfortable with your weapon, figure out what how your gun shoots. If it's shooting low or high, put a put optics on it to change that point of impact to the to center because if you're if your gun's not shooting dead on you're not shooting dead on and you're you know you're going to risk either spending all this time and missing a turkey or worse yet wounding the bird and being able to uh, or not being able to recover it it is pretty amazing how a, a different gun will pattern differently 
we tend to think of Absolutely. shotguns as being just a pipe, basically. You know, they're they're very simple simple machines. But I've had Benelli's that pattern one way, and Browning's another, and then an old Ithaca that you know was seventy years old and not an issue at all in it. And I couldn't change the, the chokes on that one. But you know, spending time ahead of time, a day or two out there shooting at some plates or some targets. With the same kind of load you're going to be taking with you in the woods is a great way to mm-hmm. do it, and it's worth the investment in an extra box or two of shells. Absolutely. And for our non uh, our non gun listeners out there, the pattern is really the spray that it's putting out when you shoot that gun. It is uh it is the pattern that's put on the paper or putting out there. I guess you would use paper just so you know what you are shooting when you are shooting it. Um, with that being said, did you give us advice on the choke? Do we go full choke? Do we go modified choke? Uh, do you it, have an opinion? It, it really depends on the gun. You know, with TSS, you can use a, a, a little more open choke, uh, something just just under full, like a uh, uh, like a light modified or even modified. And because it's the shot cup, there's several variables. There's a shot cup. There's a type of shot you're using. There's the shell, the the powder. Uh, the, the gun itself, the choke, the you know, how's how's the gun board? You know, there's so many variables that you that that's one of those things you actually have to get out, shoot several different loads in your gun, find one that patterns the best in your gun, and use different choke combinations. I mean, it's it's kind of like going out and sighting in a rifle, but a little more complex than that because you do have to check different chokes and load combinations, much like you would in a rifle, checking different uh, cartridges or, or you know bullet weights, different loads if you're a hand loader to see what's going to shoot best in your gun. Because at this point, a shotgun is no longer a shotgun in the traditional sense where you're shooting moving game. You're, it's, it's, you're, you're turning into shooting a stationary or more or less stationary target in a precision manner. Yeah, we, we are looking for a pretty small point of impact on a turkey. We don't want to hit them low. We want to go for that kind of that red, white, and blue, that ugly face. Now, y'all, if you're not a hunter and this sounds like it might be too much for you, do think long and hard about maybe coming along. If you are a hunter, bring somebody new into the woods. Let them experience putting a turkey to roost or bringing them out into the field. It's a whole lot of fun. It's pretty magical out there. Give it a try. I think you'll like it. Bring a camera if you have to. Hey, the other thing during the preseason is come by and get a Yeti cooler so you can throw that bird in there once you get him. You'll be ready. We have them at Jesse Brown's Outdoors, so stop by. James Bice, you're always a rock star. Thank you for spreading the wisdom to us here on the Carolina Outdoors so when April gets here, we can all have a successful turkey season. Thank you guys for having me. Off he goes and off we go. But just for a moment, we're going to be back on the other side to talk a little bit about fresh produce here in the spring. It is the Carolina Outdoors. <laughs> 